Yay, Danny, we're back again. I'm excited, dude. It's I am too. Did we say what we were doing last week, or did we leave it up in the air? No, we had mentioned that we had tentative plans for a guest today. Okay, well, those plans didn't happen, so... Exactly, but we did say that we were going to come up with a backup just in case. We didn't announce what the backup was, but this is the backup episode, I this suppose. A... Well, not backup episode, but this is our backup for the episode. This episode is by no means backup, but we had to do something, so we chose a movie that we had both seen a number of times, probably. Yeah, and I'm glad and it was we going decided. to be really easy to go back through. Yeah, exactly. It's a really fun film. I'm excited for the episode. So, One fifteen, yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Hell yeah! I'm excited you're all here. Before we get into it, do you have any news from the week? As far as my personal bits, not a whole lot. Just kind of kicking it, you know. Not a whole lot going on. Just same old shit. I don't really have much either. Yeah, it was a pretty uneventful week, so... I agree. Fucking watched more Game of Thrones, played more video games, and then saw today that David Goyer's working on a Hellraiser reboot. Yeah, that's really cool. We'll see. I mean, it's kind of in the air with some of the remakes and whatnot, so... It'll be kind of interesting, though, to see what they do. And that's, like, all I have. <laughs> I, did, I did come across a few bits of information, as far as on the horror front, that I thought was kind of neat, so... I did read that there's only 666 copies of the Pumpkinhead soundtrack that has just been released, and if you still collect CDs, you can pick that up. I like the fact that they only released 666 of them, so that's, that's awesome. really cool. Yeah. So a film that you and I reviewed a little while back, a little film called Death House. Okay. So for those who are curious, as of right now, Netflix is streaming that film. It's considered the Expendables of Horror. I know you and I were not too high on the horse about it. No. But we don't I, need to get into what I thought about Death House. Yeah. I don't want to shit on that film considering who's in it, but I, I, I'll exactly. end up shitting on that When film. you see who is all in it, I mean, it's hard to tell, you know, but because we had seen it, you can listen to our episode, get our take on it, and if not, you go ahead and check it out and then maybe revisit our episode. A few other bits of news I did come across is that Grindhouse releasing... They are returning this year, and with that, they are releasing Umberto Lenzi's The Tough Ones on Blu-ray. I do like Umberto Lenzi. He's another one of the Giallo-style horror directors from Italy, along with Argento and Fulci and a couple of the others. He was the legendary director of Cannibal Furo, so if you're familiar with that, then you might be familiar with his works. All right, I've got three other bits of news I thought that was kind of neat. I do have both these films, and they are The Collector and The Collection. It came out like late 2009, 10, I think, with the first one, and mm -hmm. then the collection came out in 2012. Well, I think of last night or a few nights ago on Twitter, this was done by Josh Stewart, who was the star of it. He did tease a poster for The Collector Part 3. And with that, we also have learned that Marcus Dunstan, who helped co-write both the films, he is slated to return to direct the third installment, so... This ones are pretty good, man. I enjoyed them. I haven't them. seen them yet. I heard really good things about... I didn't hear much about the first one, but then I heard good things about the second one. I saw the first one, which is The Collector. I saw that twice in the theater. I went by myself one okay. time, and then I went with a friend of mine the second time. And wound up buying the collection on Blu-ray. Not bad films, man. I enjoy them both. Cool. But yeah, like I so said, there was a seven-year layoff. There's some stuff that happened at the end of the second one to give you kind of hints that there would be a sequel, perhaps. But... Yeah, it has been like so revealed as of a couple of nights ago that they are slated for a third installment, which I'm really excited about. Right. So I learned that Bruce Campbell, he did tweet a mysterious September tease with his image as Ash. 
And uh, most people are thinking that's going to be the date for his DLC for Mortal Kombat. I heard about that, right? Some other people have theorized that it might be the fact that Netflix is picking up season mm-hmm. three of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. So there's some speculation, but I think yours because we had talked about the fact that Mortal Kombat was having Ash in it. Most likely. There was that leak. It's still, I don't think, it's been 100% confirmed, but I didn't keep up on it, basically. Yeah. It might have been confirmed. I have no fucking clue, but he was on that list. That would make sense. The last little bit of news that I have is really cool because there's a film coming up. We have watched both versions of it. We've seen the original, and then we've seen chapter one of it. So, a Times Square ad in New York City has revealed that the trailer for It Chapter 2 is coming out on May the 9th. So by the time you've heard this episode, it's already been out. But here in live time for us, we've got a few days before it is being dropped. But yeah, as of Thursday, they're going to drop trailer number one, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm excited to watch the movie. You know what I'm not excited? Who did? To watch the second half of the original movie. Oh, dude. Yeah. Good call. (laughs) We told you long ago, we're going to go back and revisit and revisit it right beforehand like we did with part one but part one's awesome part two those don't suck yeah it's not the best it has its moments but it's kind of shit we'll see i mean who knows it's been a while i'm drawing on all this from memory but everyone else's memory seems to say the same thing when i talked to them about it so <laughs> yeah because we had watched the original chapter one i went ahead and watched chapter two while i was watching it it's like oh yeah first half is so much better <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty much the bits of news that kind of caught my eye. I thought it'd be kind of pertinent to the show. So uh, aside from that, man, I'm glad that we did have a backup because, man, I know we already mentioned it, but Shaun of the Dead, such a rad film. Such good movie. So glad. Uh, mm, So glad I watched it last night. I realized watching Taking Notes for this movie is something completely different. But we can talk about that in a little bit. First, let's get into the guts and bolts. Guts and Bolts. Alright, here we are. Guts and Bolts, our 115th fucking movie. Oh, dude, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, I guess it wouldn't be our 115th movie. We've talked about more movies than that. But still, I mean, we're, we're hitting somewhere in the 120s. Jesus. Anyway, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, Guts and Bolts, we'll try to keep this spoiler free. Let's start off the synopsis, I guess. I don't remember anyone's names in the movie, because I'm just thinking of it as Simon and Nick. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. Sean and... Ed. Ed. Fuck, why can't I remember Ed's an easy name? Our fucking two good-for-nothing homeboys <laughs> <laughs> hanging out and the zombie apocalypse happens to happen. What's a spoiler? What's not a spoiler? I mean, Shaun of the Dead, zombies in the name. Yeah, basically. if you've ever seen a poster for it, it kind of gives it away. And then it's all against the backdrop of Sean's love life falling apart and coming back together? question mark question mark yeah i mostly just remember like i'll fall back on the marketing for this movie where it was rom zom com yeah rom com zom rom zom com zom rom com yeah it's a romantic comedy with zombies yeah but it's a zombie comedy with romance yeah you could say that too anyway i don't know how good of a synopsis that was compared to normal but I feel like this one of those movies that probably a lot of people, even outside horror circles, really already know quite a bit about. So, yeah, this one was pretty popular, even if you aren't a fan of horror films, you know, Mm -hmm. because it does play on the comedy aspect. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good little brief synopsis of what the film is about. Yeah, 
Cool. So let's get into who went into making this movie. Yeah. So if you don't already know. Exactly. So we like to lead off typically with the crew. And this week, our director for Shaun of the Dead is Edgar Wright. Now, Edgar is known for his work on the television series Spaced from 99 through 2001. He's also directed Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, The World's End, and more recently, Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. So those are some pretty cool films. Now, Edgar is actually one of the writers on the film, along with Simon Pegg, who does star in this. And I'll get into uh, some of Simon's credits once we get into the cast. Now, our cinematographer on this film is David M. Dunlap. He's done work on projects such as Julie Johnson, The Calcium Kid, Game 6, and Griffin and Phoenix. Our editor is Chris Dixon. He's known for editing the film Seed of Chucky, Hot Fuzz, Slumdog Millionaire, the movie Paul, Barbarian Sound Studio, and Les Miserables. Our music, this is their only credits, but the music was composed by Dan Mutford and Pete Woodhead. The special effects, we got quite a few teams. I'll just kind of breeze through them. But animated extras help with the prosthetics. Cine image, film opticals, they help with the end title. Crystal reflections were responsible for contact lenses. Double negative, they help with the digital visual effects. Moving pictures company, they help with digital intermediate. Post optics, they also help with contact lenses. Real eye company, they help with contact lenses. And special effects UK help with the other special effects on this. This movie was produced by Nira Park. The production companies for this were Studio Canal. They helped present this along with working title films, WT2 Productions. Big Talk Productions helped in association with Inside Track 2 and Film 4 helped along as well. Distributors I have were United International Pictures. They helped with the 2004 UK and international theatrical releases, and Universal Pictures helped with the 2004 USA theatrical release. The release dates, it had a London premiere on March 29, 2004, and April 9, 2004 in the UK, and here in the States on September 24, 2004. The budget had an estimated £4 million, which is about $6.1 million United States, it grossed $13.5 million here in the States and $30 million worldwide. With all the buzz that was around it when it came out, I would have guessed a much higher number than That's 30. That's not bad, but, but yeah. I think it must have more found its audience once it made its way to video. Yeah, I think so. It became more of like a kind of a cult. Mm-hmm. I do have a couple of taglines. You've actually mentioned one of not them. Not that that wasn't a bad turnaround. No, it's still moderate, yeah, considering. Yeah. I mean, it spawned some of the other films in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. All right, so two taglines I have. You've already mentioned one of them. A romantic comedy with zombies. And the second one... That's have, actually a tagline? It is. What, how else do you fucking, what else do you say about this movie? That's basically what Although you're watching. Although I'd say it's more horror comedy with romance. Yeah. yeah. And zombies. Yeah, so either way you look at it, it's not I think really... it leans more on those tropes than romantic <laughs> comedy tropes. But Oh, yeah, yeah, considering... Uh, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Second tagline I have is, In a time of crisis, a hero must rise... From a sofa. Nice. I kind of dig that. It's a little <laughs> bit long, but I kind of dig it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. All right. So that was pretty much the crew and some of the other little bits. Our cast, I've already mentioned Simon Pegg. He plays the title role of Sean. And he has been in such films as Hot Fuzz, Star Trek, and The World's End. Now, he's also been in Mission Impossible 3 and a load of other films. If you're familiar with British cinema and TV probably seen him in space and quite a few other bits. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, now I have Nick Frost. He plays the character of Ed in this film. 
He's been in such films as Hot Fuzz, the movie Paul. You might have seen him in Attack the Block and also The World's End. He was a former roommate of Mr. Pegg, and they've been partners in crime pretty much since. Right? I have Kate Ashfield. She plays the role of Liz. She's been in such projects as Late Night Shopping. The film I just recently watched was Byzantium. Ooh. She's also in the film Guest House Paradiso and a Lars von Trier film, Nymphomaniac, Volume 2. Oh, shit. She's a nymphomaniac. I didn't know that. I didn't either until I saw the credits. <laughs> All right, Lucy Davis. She plays the role of Diane. She has been in such projects as the British's version of The Office, which is the original version, from 2001 through 2003. She's she Pam, basically. Yeah. Just so you all know. <laughs> Don Tinsley is Pam Beasley. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she was in the film Garfield. You might have seen her in the film Wonder Woman. She's also in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina that just came out more recently from 2018 and 19. And... Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing her in this film. All right, the next actor I have is Dylan Moran. He plays the character of David. He's been in such projects as Notting Hill. You might have seen him in the television series Black Books from 2000 and 2004. He's also in Run, Fat Boy Run, which Simon Pegg is also in. All right, next actress I have is Penelope Wilton. She plays Barbara in the film. She's been in such films as Match Point, Pride and Prejudice, and The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Bill Nighy plays the character of Philip. He's been in such films as Love Actually. You might have seen him in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest as Davy Jones. He's also in the films Page 8 and About Time. Jessica Stevenson plays the role of Yvonne. She has been in such projects as Spaced from 1999 through 2001. She's also in the Royal Family television series that was out from 98 through 2010 and a film entitled Son of Rambo. I've actually rented that film, never watched it. My brother watched it. Said he liked it. All right, the other actors I have in this are Peter Serafinovich. She plays the character of Pete. Now, you might have seen him in such films as Guardians of the Galaxy. He was also in the films Spy and the film Sing. Right. I have a few other actors, and there's a few others we'll mention a little bit later on. I have Rafe Spall. He plays the character of Noel in this film. You might have seen him in Life of Pi, The Big Short, a film I watched that might still be on Netflix. If it is, go check it out. But that film is The Ritual, and he was also in Hot Fuzz. And we've got some really cool other people. Like I said, we'll mention a little bit later on because they're cameo appearances. But that pretty much rounds out the main cast and crew. We gave you a brief synopsis. We should give you a couple of warnings. Not that they're heavy, but there are some that we should mention. Well, let's see. Lots of language. Definitely language. They cuss a lot. Yes, there's and, a lot of innuendo. Oh, and not just that, but since it's British, cunts use differently. Exactly. So it comes so up a few times. If you are not comfortable with the word cunt, you're not going to like this film too much. I'm just going to throw it I should have warned you guys before we started this that I was going to use this as an excuse to say cunt in the British way. Because it's yes. a charming way when it's British. It's just a word. just depends on how you use it, right? <laughs> there's some gore in this, a little bit. decent gore. Yeah. Honestly, there's some really kind of disturbing moments if you kind of pay attention to the background. But oh, yeah. you have to, like, really be paying attention. So it's nothing that you actually see. Extended. It's all just, like, yeah. hinted at. So. Exactly. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's more or less, like you were saying, it's more of a, a comedy, more so than horror, but it is a horror comedy. I mean, within the framework of the movie, it's just because they're such slackers that it never becomes <laughs> a true horror movie. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there sure. is truly a horror movie happening around them. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Yeah, if you're comfortable with all of the above and you like the people we just mentioned, then I hope you enjoy how this movie makes us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Fuck yeah, dude. Shaun of the Dead. Really glad that I watched it at least one time. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it the second time, but there's a lot of shit that goes on in this movie. And it took forever to take my fucking notes. Yeah, that's understandable. Compared to most other movies. A lot of other movies, like, I can, like, sometimes write through whatever else is happening on screen. Because I know I'm not going to be taking notes on the next part anyway. Yeah. This one I was like, oh shit, I have to pause this. Because I have to take notes on the next fucking thing. And the next thing. I had a hard time figuring out what I was even going to take notes on, really. No, that's quite understandable. I try to write down, like, some of my favorite bits. Just, like, some little trivia here and there, but... You're right, there's a lot that goes on. It's one of those things, because you don't want to sit here and just explain every joke in the movie. And there's a lot of places you could just go for normal trivia. But this should also be our experience? I don't know. Well, I do have some really interesting stuff as far as, like, connections, personal connections to the film. Okay, yeah, yeah, so what's your story with the movie, I guess? Okay, so before I even... start with that. Before I even had these personal connections to the film, right, I'd seen this... I want to say 05, 06 maybe. It wasn't long after it, it came out. And I liked it. I don't think I knew quite as many references as I do now, looking back on it. But I just remember it being British because I like you know, British comedy. I was familiar with their faces a little bit because of Spaced. But like, I didn't know them very, very well. As far as like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Right. And everybody associated Nick Frost, etc. But anyhow, I liked it. I watched it probably several times throughout the 2000s, several times throughout the 2010s this decade, and just picked up a stillbook copy just recently. So yeah, I enjoy it. Nice. I don't remember the first time I watched this. I know it probably would have been around the same time period, a little bit after it came out, like you. I heard of Shaun of the Dead and Spaced around the same time, but I know I saw Shaun first. It wasn't until a little while later that I ended up watching Spaced. I can't remember if I've ever finished Space, to be honest. Like, I've only I feel like I must episodes. have at least once. I know I've watched the first season at least two or three times. With the episode art that this is kind of based on. So <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> that was kind of neat. Seeing this first and then going back and watching that and being like, oh shit, they just got to do like this, but like real. That's pretty that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. I do remember like immediately liking this movie quite a bit. I don't think I realized quite how much I was going to end up liking this movie. I fucking dig this movie. And in fact, the the entire Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. The other two actually resonate a little bit more just like emotionally and thematically with me compared to this one. I guess if nobody knows, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy also includes Hot Fuzz and World's End. The other two, Edgar Wright helmed, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, huge collaborations that are a thematic trilogy about growing up and like some of the feelings and some of showing like the dangers of continued adolescence and shit like that exactly i feel like the other two especially the the times when they came out and stuff really hit a lot more closer to home with me and i kind of appreciate them in some ways a little bit more than this one but this is the one that's most rewatchable because it doesn't hit on those (laughs) <laughs> that's a good point it doesn't quite hit it as hard as the other ones you know world's I mean? end especially i think oh, world's yeah. end is a fucking if you look past the very surface level sci-fi that movie's a fucking emotional roller coaster yeah but 
I mean, this one, it's not that the themes aren't there. There's very much a story about Sean having to grow up, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways that it gets reinforced throughout the movie, and you see things change as he starts to get his life together. But I don't know. I guess we see fucking people growing up type movies all the time. You don't see movies that touch on some of the themes that the other ones do as often with, like, the feeling of never quite being able to go home again and shit. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Hut Fuzz. I do like The World's End. I haven't quite watched those as many times as I've watched Tron. Probably for the same reasons. Yeah, Hot Fuzz I've definitely seen the second most amount of times. But then World's End I think I've seen currently only like twice. Yeah, I've only seen like maybe twice tops. I do want to get all three of them and back to back to back them one of these days. But obviously I have to set aside you know most of a day to do that, so... Who knows when it's actually going to happen, but it is something that's on my to-do list. Nice, dude. Well, I mean, honestly, like, to get into this all, the main three, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, don't have the careers that they do without this. Oh, no doubt. They still have careers, because right, fucking this... people love Spaced. Yeah, but this one really launched them in a whole different light and direction. Everything that I end up going to, like Spaced and the other shit that they've worked on... Like Edgar with like Scott Pilgrim and shit like that is all because of this movie and how they fucking knocked it out of the park and oh my god all the little fucking things Edgar does Edgar Wright is one of my favorite filmmakers ever period one hundred percent the shit he does the way he tells stories and the way he uses all of film not just showing somebody a picture but by telling a story both through the picture the sound and the editing is fucking amazing. Yeah, it is a really, really unique way of storytelling, like you said, and piecing things together and telling a narrative that's really fun, it's poignant. You get a lot of that in this film, Scott Pilgrim. I haven't seen Baby Driver, but I mean, I'm familiar with most of his work. So that's the other thing I think a lot of people don't, and it's kind of what my notes ended up consisting a lot of, is I don't think Edgar gets a lot of, except for the people who already love Edgar Wright, Beyond that, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for the amount of attention to detail he has in his movies. And fucking Scott Pilgrim, I think, is probably the best example of that, where there's all sorts of crazy shit. Just, if you're paying attention, you're like, oh my god, you're on this number X, and whenever you punch him, you get that same exact number of points, and they have that same exact amount of syllables in their name. And <laughs> It's pretty cool. Like you said, it's a neat way of weaving things together. And, yeah, and the visuals in that movie are astounding. But this one, I ended up like, okay, you can go online and see all sorts, because people love this movie, not just us. Yeah. It's not the hardest to just go and look up all the different trivia on this movie. So I just tried to write down the little details that I noticed finally for the first time this time around, because I was paying that much more attention to the movie. We can go through however. I'm fine either way. Like, so it's... Most of it, it's just, for me, it's like neat little, like I said, little tidbits, little homages, things like that. And then just like I said, a little bit of the personal ties that I do have in the film because of some of the artists in the film. I mean, I guess straight up from the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh shit, when you're doing the opening credits montage and you show the cashier, it's Mary. I like how there's a lot of foreshadowing right off the bat. Like if you've seen this film once you start piecing those things together like, oh, they use that from this part and that part from this part, etc. You're right. There's a lot of detail in a lot of the characters. It's not by chance. And that's the thing. I think that was the main thing I noticed with this movie is that 
there's almost two or maybe even three or four levels to things that are in the background. Because there's things in the background in this movie that they pull your attention to, like the news reports. Mm -hmm. But there's also things in the background in this movie that they don't pull your attention to, (laughs) but still go on and come back up later on. I mean, I guess a lot of movies I end up bitching about the fact that sometimes they don't pay off things that they set up early in the movie. All this movie does is pay off things that they set up, even when you don't know that they set it up. Yeah, I totally agree. Almost every line in this movie probably gets said at least twice. Yeah. In different contexts. Exactly, in different exchanges, you're right. Shit, yeah. I mean, my next note was just the fact that Pete was played by fucking Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. And I have been watching a shit ton of The Tick lately. And That's awesome. he is the latest incarnation of The Tick and has been doing just killer. Awesome. He does a really good job in this film. His lines are <laughs> like straight and forward and direct. I like them. I really like his character. He's because good. like he's a hard ass, but especially upon rewatch when you're watching and noticing how he's reacting, like he's just a normal fucking guy. They're being assholes and playing music at like 4 yeah. a.m. Exactly. When he has to work in the morning. And when fucking Sean mentions, he's like, hey, man, like, sorry, we didn't mean to wake you up, but fucking split up with Liz. He's like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. I get it. And it's only when fucking Nick has to fucking call him a prick that he gets (laughs) all pissed off again. Yep. (laughs) And technically, he's dying at that point already, so... He's already raging. Yeah, he's already got... He's got... Well, well... Reports of it being the rage virus have been bogus, according to well, the, yeah, the exactly. TV at the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I just like his delivery and the setup and the payoff <laughs> as well. It's it's all good. Also, to tie in sort of towards the beginning of the movie, I feel like this might be one of the more obvious ones to some people, but so much time occurs between the first time it said and the last time it said that this was... Not the time I took notes, but when I watched it last night was the first time I noticed that they went through the exact top left reload. I'm on it. Nice shot. (laughs) It's good. And I think the way he does it, too, is he he does like to use mirrors. So that's kind of, you know, you're getting both perspectives. Like you said, somebody will say a line toward the beginning of the film, and that exchange they have with that other person, they'll just reverse the lines later on in a different situation. But, like, that's one of them with Ed and, and Sean. And that's the thing, it's like, awesome. some things are mirrored, yep. some things are recurring. Yeah, certain lines, certain refrains, certain, yeah. Two minutes. Yeah, it's good. You've got red on you. <laughs> right. A, yeah, it plays out a lot. I think the biggest revelation for me was putting together, finally, that Noodle is Noel. Yeah, he's calling because he's wanting to get some puff. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But fucking, he's only down to a Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just funny. Which man. I was like, oh my god, he's only got an eighth? Because immediately you're like, Henry, it's got to be Henry, Henry the eighth. eighth right? Yeah, exactly. That's clever. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm going to start calling him Henry's. Yeah, I only got a Henry. <laughs> I thought it was cool. No, the guy who plays Noel okay, is yeah. the guy who was, uh, I mentioned in The Ritual I watched recently. Oh, okay. And I didn't realize it, but I looked up his date of birth and I was like, oh, that makes sense because this guy would have been like maybe 20. 21, something like that at the time this movie was made. So that's why he looks so young and out of place. <laughs> but it's like, he did a good job in his little lines that he does give. Right? Yeah, I don't know why it took me forever to put together that Noodle was Noel. I just, I think on previous <laughs> viewings of the movie, I was just like, well, they're just showing that Ed's a fuck up, and they're showing the bullshit that this guy has to deal with at work. 
And they don't have to be connected. It's just neat that they are if you're paying attention to what's being said. Yeah. And even, too, like, not that it's a big deal, but just a little bit of line that Simon Pegg gives. Like, he knows, like, I can separate my personal business from work. And Liz is calling him, and he's like, oh, it's just Liz from, well, he's like, upper management or whatever she's in. <laughs> You're like, oh, there's another connection that's, mm-hmm. you know, didn't realize that. 4E's Electronics. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Let's see. There's a lot of those, like Fulci's Restaurant, if you pay attention was, to that. I was going to say, did you actually pause it? Yeah, oh yeah, I saw that. To see that the ad actually says the one that does the fish. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, that's The place cool. that does all the fish, Fulci's. Yep. Ash is under the weather. Yep, I I knew what that was, but that's and so two, is, there's actually two references to that. So well, that's not um, movie related. I had to guess that this sounds really dumb, but the other person they mentioned besides Ash was Slowman, Slow Man. It's yeah. a fucking zombie. It's a zombie reference. <laughs> Man, I don't know how soon I want to nerd out about this, but because we're kind of getting into music reference too, there's a moment in the movie where Sean's trying to get his shit together and he's relaying it back to Ed because they're figuring out like, all right. We got to get to my mom, and if we're gonna do that, we're gonna get Liz and Dave and die. And et cetera, oh, okay. Et so this was the one where the cuts I wrote into the down. music. As it goes, like, man, that music sounds so familiar. Oh, okay. And it's the theme for Dawn of the Dead because it was done by Goblin. Oh, and I've seen shit. Goblin just what like eight months ago or whatever it was. So I was like, that's why I knew that's who it was. So all right, now the Ash reference, I do think it is because of Bruce Campbell and right. the Evil Dead and all that stuff. Got but it. here's where I get into like the personal. Like, all right, so I'm a huge fan of Ash, the band Ash. Oh, Ash has a song on the soundtrack. I've got a couple they? songs, actually. And you see it on my laptop. I'm yeah. Like, that was actually, that album that's on my laptop, that sticker, is during the time period that this film came out. Oh, okay. And the reason why they were used on the soundtrack is because one of the guitarists, Charlotte Hatherley, was dating Edgar Wright at the time. And they gave him permission to use those songs for free because that album was coming out around the same okay. time period as this movie. It's like, huh, that's really interesting. So I've seen Ash, uh, I think, four times, and I've nice. met them three times. And so I've met Charlotte Hatherley and Tim Wheeler and all those guys, Mark. So it's really cool, right? I've seen Goblin <laughs> just recently, and there's one other connection, too, to music. is during some of the like the cuts where Simon Pegg is watching the news about yeah. like the first signs, and as he's cutting, it's going to like a music video, and it's The Smiths, and it's Panic. I've seen Morrissey, and I've seen Johnny Marr, who were both in the Smiths. I've seen Johnny Marr here in town. Nice. Which is weird. So it's like, I've got three musical ties and like a one degree to Edgar Wright <laughs> because of Charlotte Hatherley. I've met yeah. her. Yeah, so it's like, that's pretty cool. But hearing those songs, Orpheus is on it, Meltdown, and those both happen when Ed, Nick Frost, is driving. So the first song is Orpheus by Ash when he's in Pete's car. Okay. Right? And then the second one is when they're actually in the Jaguar and he puts the music back on. That's Meltdown oh, by okay. Ash. So those are the two times. And the third time is when Simon Pegg is buying flowers for his mom while he's in the shop. Yeah. And he sees like the zombie. The dude off in the background. Right. They're, you can barely make it out, but they're playing music in the background. So Chris Martin of Coldplay, he played a song with Ash and they covered a Buzzcock song. Right. And Coldplay shows up. Right. Uh, like Zombade. Yeah, they never say their name in the in the movie, but they're right, the, right. the guys for Zombade at yeah. the very end. So Chris Martin, lead singer, he has a cameo as a zombie because he's close friends with Edgar Wright with Edgar. and knows Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. He's also friends with Ash. Here's something, that this is like some deep cuts now, is that Ash 
during this time period too, they made it like a slashed. They call it slashed. Okay. <laughs> but they did it with Chris Martin, and they did it with a guitarist of Coldplay. They also did it with Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters. Oh shit! It never got released, but I knew about it. And I, last time I'd seen them, I was like, "Are you guys ever going to release that?" Like, how the hell do you know about that? I know a lot about you guys. <laughs> like, let's just say I'm digging through your trash. Ash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really interesting, man. So. I'm about to put up my own album. It's called tr- Trashed. <laughs> Gashed. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, man, that's really cool. So that's is one of my favorite bands. I've seen them several times, and they've got a really cool connection to this film. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Fucking also in Forey's Electronics, though. I noticed when he's fucking randomly flipping through shows, he's showing off the TV. <laughs> it's the same exact shows that they show the fucking zombies doing later. Yeah. Um, One of them was like an actual TV host. I think her name's like Trisha. Or I think like a lot of the news reporters and they shit were, were real. Yeah. I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't watch fucking British news. So. I, I mean, either. <laughs> but um, you're right. One of the news reporters, he talked about the fact, you know, those lines. He actually liked doing those lines. So that was really cool. I finally noticed the fact that. Once again, this is another one that I, I feel like I don't know how I didn't notice, but they don't really call attention to the exact spots, and they happen a long time from each other. But Sean throws away the fucking flowers. flowers yeah. His mom. And then fucking dipshit. David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking asshole. Oh, that was a dick. Fucking yeah. cock move. But anyway, when he throws the, the fucking bin through the window, he dumps it first, and that's where she re-got the flowers from. And I was like, oh shit, so awesome continuity there. Of course the flowers would still be there because this all happens in like one day. And Yeah, but you're right. There is like this long continuity of the details you were talking about earlier. And it's like, I like how all that gets played out. One big thing, and this is, you know, this is just reading into trivia. Anybody can look this up, but it gets played out. And that was really clever is after Sean and Liz break up, their little breakup. Sean and Ed go to the bar, the pub, the Winchester. Are you going to say when Nick gives away the entire movie? He pretty much Because I have does. that written down yeah. exactly. So It's just the way he uses it. Yeah. So Bloody Mary first thing. Yeah. Which Mary. is the girl in the garden. Yep. Who is the girl at the beginning of the film at the supermarket? Have a bite at the king's head. Right. They go that's to, Phil. Fi, that's Phil. Right. He gets bitten on the he head. He gets bit. Couple at the little princess. They go to Dying pick up Dave. Liz, who's the little princess, <laughs> yeah. and also end up having to pick up the couple because they're there. That's super clever. Stagger back here. Yeah. Because when they end up having the zombie walk. Yep. They impersonate the zombies. Back at the bar for shots. Yeah. By the, the way, the gun works. Are the shells. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the shells on the bar. That's just really clever. There's other one that's not used in that, but it's used in a context with that. It's towards the end of the film, so we're really jumping around. But the jukebox starts to play a Queen song. Right, it's like "Don't Stop Me Now." Right, which I, I wrote down as like one of my favorite parts of the film, where they're all clubbing <laughs> in time with the music. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so clever. But Sean, I think he's telling Dave to kill the Queen. And he's like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, he's just, you know the jukebox." But the Queen can also be in reference to his mom, because the King is Phil. Oh, right. And after she turns, the first thing Dave does when he gets the gun is want to shoot the mom, the Queen. Like I said, it's not used in Ed's refrain, but it's still used in, in kind of that context. Mm-hmm. Fucking Ed talking about Pete, next time I see him, he's dead. Yeah. Even the kid, the soccer kid. Oh, yeah, you're dead. He says, hey, you're dead. <laughs> All that stuff was clever. The Hindi music. So when he, Sean, that is, goes into that little corner store, there's always like Hindu music playing, Indian music. They said that on Z-Day, 
after the music, it cuts to like a an Indian radio station on the mm-hmm. I guess on the jukebox, or whatever, or not jukebox, but you know what I mean, on the stereo. It says in Hindi, the guy's giving the warning, like this is this is real. There's been an outbreak, so that's what he's saying in Hindi. So the first time we get the long cut from Sean going to the shop, yeah, he first grabs a diet coke and puts it back and grabs a coke, and then when he wakes up hungover. And one of the things on his to-do list is to get his life in order. When he goes back, he picks up the normal Coke and then sets it gets back and gets the diet instead. Yeah. yeah, he's trying to make that change, or the change is occurring, yeah. He then, of course, has to leave owing 15p. That's <laughs> just funny. And so when you see the shop owner as a zombie, he's holding out his hand to get yeah, his yeah, money. Yeah, when he comes back and they're, and they're both in the car, yeah, when they're first in Pete's car. I was like, oh, shit. It is funny. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, hey, Nelson, I owe you 15p. And then the, the guy that he gives change to earlier, he's like, I don't even have enough to cover. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes back to the house. Which I fucking... That's clever. I was like, oh, fuck. Because around that same time period... All the shit happens with Pete, and you end up later on in the movie, that's, and especially at the end, they fucking spell it out that, like, well, they're dead, but they do retain, like, some certain qualities. Certain qualities. Yeah. And obviously the shop owner was the first hint at that, but that also explains Sean told Peter where they're going to be, and he remembered all the way to the end of the movie. Yep. So we're heading to the pub. <laughs> yeah. What else I thought was also funny, too, is Phil. When Simon's telling uh, the woman who plays his mom, right, he's like, he has nothing that resembles the man that you married. And the first thing he does is cut off the music. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was fucking hilarious. I got a big chuckle out of that. Because at this point, I'm taking my notes. I had to stop and think about it for a second and ask the question, which would you prefer to use in the zombie apocalypse? A fucking real bat or a cricket fucking... They call it a bat? What do they call it? Is yeah, it it's cr- a cricket bat. Okay. Um, I, know, I was wondering if there was some special cricket term. Fucking cricket. Because I would rather use a cricket bat. I completely understand that. I'm more inclined to use a baseball bat because that's what I know. Right. And so for damage, if it's around, a cricket bat for sure. If I had the option. Yeah, if I have the option, I think I'm taking the cricket bat every time. Now, I know baseball, but you have that little bit more of an edge if you're using the edge of the cricket bat. Yeah, you can get some nice damage. Plus, I feel like it looks classier. <laughs> it is. It's a classy weapon. Right? Like, <laughs> if you're going to be fucking swinging shit at a zombie, don't you want it to feel a little classy, right? Yeah. You want to feel like you got your oomph in it. Is one longer than another? Do you know? Is cricket? There, yeah. I don't know. I, I would imagine like, they're probably they all up, the same. Like, well, I mean, like, cricket bat versus real bat. Oh, oh Like, American baseball bat. Ooh, I guess I shouldn't question. say real bat. I guess it's different I think sport. they might be a little shorter. Okay. I think they are. I think they're a little shorter. What about weight-wise? I mean, obviously, like... Would, uh, I'd say it's relative, because usually, I think baseball bats, they usually weigh them in ounces. Right. So, two pounds, a little bit more than that, 33 ounces, 34 ounces, something like that for baseball bats. I don't know necessarily for cricket bats. Right. Okay. I mean, I guess, I'm just going to forget a fucking cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? We know somebody who can probably get us one. Right. Yeah, I think I'd have to go for a cricket bat. Yeah. Feel classy about it. It would feel good. It'd be different, but it would feel good. <laughs> okay, so here was the super fucking... I felt good that I noticed this shit. Because this is super background, but you can see it all happening if you're paying attention to Sean's mom. There's all those fucking quick cuts that are happening when they get into the Jag to drive off and they're getting attacked by zombies and shit. But throughout all of them, you can see Sean's mom, and there's even two very quick shots to her. 
and she's pulling out peach tissue papers and handing them back to Philip, and that's what he puts up against his bite. Later on, after the encounter with the man in pajamas, when she is first stepping back into frame from behind the fence, she's grabbing a couple of the peach tissues. Yeah, because at that point, not that it's known on Front Street, but yeah, she's been bitten. You're right, because the way that he does those cuts, or it's edited in that way, is it draws your attention away from the mom because now you're still focusing on Sean and Liz and everybody else. But it's all contiguous. It is because it is in the background. If you're paying, yeah, if you're paying attention, which is neat. That's one of those things you said earlier. Is all that stuff in the background? Not that it's always super important, but it does relate back to the central story. Then my last big note, for the most part, I guess I have a couple other things, but just because I was a fan of a few of these shows or at least knew of them, I love the fucking, when they run into, like, the doppelganger gang. Oh, that was awesome. That was so funny. The alternate gang. Yeah, the alternate gang. Well, because, of course, we mentioned Yvonne is Jessica Stevenson, who co-starred opposite Simon Pegg in Spaced. But Julia Deacon, who also shows up in that scene as Yvonne's mom, counterpart to Sean's mom, obviously. And, of course, Nick Frost were also in Spaced. Yep. Lucy Davis, as we mentioned, was in the original office. You see Martin Freeman in the other group as Declan. Yeah. Martin Freeman, of course, super famous for, like, everything in the world now. Like, Martin Freeman does all the shit. No kidding. BBC, Sherlock, fucking Hobbit. Bilbo. God damn it. All sorts of shit. Uh, Fucking Black Panther. Dude, yeah. You know, something that really, I mean, I did watch a few of the, like, I think I watched this up to the second Hobbit film. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know, I just never finished them out. But anyway, anyway. Yeah, don't worry about that. I remember him more for his role in Fargo, the television series, the first oh. season. It's really fucking good. He also narrated a little bit in the season, so. Yeah, and then from there, you're right, he just been blowing up. Yeah, but then Martin, of course, was Tim in The Office. He was the British Jim. Pretty awesome. Then you have Dylan Morgan is Dickwad David on our normal team. On the other side, yeah. yeah. Maggie would be the Diane? Am I I getting the... Maggie... Maggie would be Diane? Is that what I'm looking at? I think you're right. right? I think you're right, yeah. Anyway, that's that's Tams and Craig, who they work together on Black Books. And then I just also happened to notice that Matt Lucas was there, who (laughs) I actually never really watched Little Britain. I knew of him because of Little Britain and the fact that that show is huge and widely acclaimed. What I did know him from is the fact that he's been on Doctor Who recently as Nardole and fucking is amazing as Nardole. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he was also in uh, Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Played, I think, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. He was also in uh, Bridesmaid, a few other things. Like I said, uh, Paddington was another big one, but yeah, Doctor Who. And there's been several of these actors and actresses who have also, you mentioned, been in Doctor Who. And really well, let's neat. see. Matt Lucas was Nardole. And Nick Frost has played fucking Santa Claus yeah. on Doctor Who. One of the newscasts on the TV, you can hear Mark Gaddis speaking. Mark Gaddis has played, I think, multiple roles on Doctor Who, has written multiple episodes, is a producer on a lot of BBC shows, and has shown up in Game of Thrones. That's awesome. Simon Pegg is in an episode of Doctor Who. 
and I'm sure a lot of the other people on this cast have probably been as well. Oh, like I said it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm sure. Credits, yeah. I mean, Bill Nye has to have been on it, and I'm just blanking what episode yeah, it was right now. I couldn't now. tell like, you, but... I mean, just instantly come to mind. I'm like, oh, I know exactly <laughs> what episodes I've seen them in. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really cool, dude. I was reading some stuff, too. Like, there's a character, which is I know one of those things, too, in the background, if you're paying attention. It's the guy who's wearing the tuxedo, right? He's in the shop at the beginning. He's, like, he's behind Simon Pegg okay. when he's checking out initially. And then later on, he comes back because every time that Pete gets on to Sean's ass about leaving the front door open... He always thinks it's Ed, and when it's played out, is the guy that comes through the door is the the guy in the, the guy tuxedo. tuxedo. Well, apparently that guy does have, you know, he's an amputee. But they said that he was the first guy on set to make fun of it, like he would like have a bloody stump on set and whatnot. Mm. But uh, he's known for like playing amputee victims and whatnot in movies and film. But they said he was a good sport about it. Uh, the guy they ran over was also an amputee, right? I don't know if he was in real life or not, but it I, wouldn't I, surprise me. Yeah, yeah, I know that some of the I think the majority of zombies, if they're missing limbs, are amputees. That's pretty neat. I know yeah. a lot of the extras and whatnot were, I think they were fans of Spaced, and yeah. they got paid a pound per day, because that was uh, what Romero did for the extras on Night of the Living Dead. He paid them a dollar per day. Oh, speaking of Romero, I should oh, bring up a big the line. Yeah. fucking, we're coming to get you, Barbara. That's so classic. I, like Romero, definitely didn't notice that the first time through. Yeah, he probably was just so absent-minded. I don't know. I just noticed the one other thing that I really noticed towards the end when they were barking out directions for Sean to fire in with a gun. <laughs> right before he has to yell at David and die to keep it simple, did you catch what their lines actually were? Oh, you mean what they were saying? What they what what directions they, they were trying told to give him, him to like shoot. time, like quarter till one or something like that. And she's like twelve so, forty five or something. <laughs> David yells out quarter to 12 yeah and sean looks at her direction and then die yells out eleven forty-five. <laughs> and he's like keep it simple <laughs> they yelled out the same fucking thing but i think that says a lot about their characters because yeah. they're truly not on the same page that's she kind of knows that yeah you can tell there's something awry between them they're not and then they spell it out later couple. obviously yeah. but yeah but you're right you're right there's uh and it plays out through the entire film. Which is that's the thing. That's just another neat little detail that I think, besides just being a joke, kind of fits in with the characters that were being shown. You know what I mean? Totally agree. Everything that we... Even though we learn it just 30 seconds later, it's just this other thing that's fortifying it. See, that's what I like, too, about the encounter that Sean... I know I keep interchanging Sean and Simon. They're the same people in this film. <laughs> is that every time he has an encounter with Yvonne in the film... You can tell, like, she has her shit together, her crew has their shit together, right? And so it's a, truly an alternate universe for those two. Like, they're experiencing two different realities simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Whereas Yvonne and everybody probably made it out just fine and dandy. Not so much for Sean and Liz in the end. You know, although there is a happy ending of sorts, I suppose. And they have confirmed that Diane made it. Yeah, I did watch some of the behind the scenes. And there's like a, a little excerpt, it's called Plot Holes, and there's three of them. Hers was the second one, so she explains... What were the other ones? The other one was how Sean like diverted all the zombies away from the Winchester oh, and then okay. got back. And then the second one gets into Diane and what happened to her after she gets out of the pub, <laughs> holding David's leg, apparently. So do you know that? I'll let you tell that one. All right, so she says that 
as she's fighting her way through, she noticed like some sirens and flashes. So she hit up in a tree with David's leg and she stayed up there for a few days until everything was sorted out. And she figured out that everything was quarantined off. She's like, after all of that, she moved to Birmingham to live with her aunt. She took refuge up in a tree and she fed off of David's leg for sustenance. And then after a few days, she figured out that it was safe. Yeah. So she made it. It doesn't get played out. So the first one I was talking about with Sean. So he says that because the zombies are slow, right? They're not the quick raging type. Mm -hmm. And they don't really refer to them as zombies. They call them the Z word, the Z word, right? So anyway, he says that he led them around the back. And they were taking so long, he actually hid in a bin, a trash bin. For like, he said he counted to 20 elephants, (laughs) got out. He said they, he noticed that they caught up. He let them out, and then he snuck around the back, and he's like, everything was, was it, what do they call it, fried gold? Oh, a called? slice of fried gold. Slice of fried, yeah. But the thing was, it was actually like storyboarded out in a comic style. And Edgar Wright's brother apparently is like a visual artist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's one zombie that like catches Sean going back into the pub through the back door. That's how they get back there, is that one saw him when he thought everything was peachy keen. And then the third one was... Like, how did they get Ed back into the shed at the end? Oh, okay. All right. So this is told by Nick Frost in the Ed's character. He says that after Sean and Liz made it up top, he stayed down and shot a few zombies, right? Two of them. One of them fell on top of him, so he got pinned when all the army came in and was shooting the rest. He said he hid behind the stairs as they were dragging bodies off and died peacefully. And then Sean came back after everything was kosher. And kind of like coaxed them into the shed <laughs> and chained them up. And this is the funny part. He's like, um, he says, Sean's always worried that I'm going to take a bite out of him. He says, but I wouldn't mind taking a nibble out of Liz. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's cheeky. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how they explain the plot holes in the film. Okay. And that was all the shit that I guess that I, I noticed this time through that I missed the first time. Or a couple things that I just wanted to mention, like the fucking yeah. the connections and shit. But. One thing I like, too, is, you know, Nick Frost and Simon Pegwin, they're, they're always the Winchester, right? But after that breakup, and he's trying to cheer him up, right? He does a few things. He, he does the Clyde impersonation mm-hmm. that's from... Right turn, Clyde. Yeah. Which way is loose? Any which way but loose. Yeah, any which way but loose. So, you know, of course... They said that Edgar Wright and Nick Frost, like that was his thing. Like that's what Nick would do to entertain his guests. And Edgar was always ribbing him about it. And that line, he's like, you know, I'm not your your little acting monkey or whatever he says. He said that's like a line that they actually used in real life. And so that's why they inserted into the film because he would do those orangutan impersonations. But there's also some lines that he's saying to like about the characters like this guy was you know north oh, london yeah. mafia this guy with the snake boots whatever he called him snake uh, hips yeah snake hips he talks about he's he's always got women surrounding him well when they're going through the shortcut and you see a group of the women behind the fence i was trying to look for them yeah does it show him surrounded by women yeah it sure does oh i completely missed it yeah and the, the tell is the snake boots oh okay that was for i was like oh that's fucking clever now, they said that when they were shooting that scene, is that the women, the extras, they were supposed to be eating him in a frenzy, and instead they were just kind of like picking at him. <laughs> so they didn't realize that that was... Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, that's that gets played out. He mentions the people who run the bar and like what they're all into and whatnot. He says that uh, the names 
John and Bernie are actually like real names, but it was for a pub that Nick Frost and Chris Martin mm-hmm. used to go back to. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. They used real names, real kind of situations. You know, they would go to a certain pub. It was just named a different thing, the Quiz Night. Like, you know, Sean's like, hey, we, we're here for yeah. Quiz Night. So they used to play the quiz back at their hometown bar, and Chris Martin used to play with them. So nice. little stuff like that was thrown in the film as well. A little personal flair. Do we get the Cockasidal Maniac? Uh, ooh. I never did see anything that played out with that. But I like what he says. He says, oh, he says, it's like, Café Oulé pour vous. <laughs> Café Oulé for you. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> that's dirty. Oh, man. Yeah, that was good. I mean, you could just sit here and list all day the oh, amount there's of times kind of they set shit. something up. I, there's a literal Chekhov's gun at the Winchester. Yeah. That's what that type too. of setup is called, is a Chekhov's gun. And there's literally a gun set up. <laughs> literally, yeah. And you set it up in the first act, and it's fired by the third act. Even if you don't believe the story that it works, it works. But the clever thing, too, is it's also an homage to George Romero's Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Oh, actually, excuse me. Night of the Living Dead, 1968, and the 1991, which was directed by Tom Savini, because they were both uh, Winchester Model 66s, which is what that model of uh, rifle is at the Winchester. So there's like this neat little tie back into that as well. Nice. So like I said, there's all kinds of neat homages. When Edgar Wright had met Simon Pegg, you know, not only because of space, but because they found out that they both had a fascination with horror films and specifically Romero films. And so that's where a lot of these ideas spawn from as well as that episode from Spaced, which is really cool. They were big into Resident Evil 2, apparently. So there's like some homages in this film that pay tribute to that, like the lighting of the lighter, like he flicks the lighter on and he sees the the way out. <laughs> like little stuff like that you actually have to do in the game. If I remember correctly, in that episode, Art, like the hallucination where the zombie attack happens and shit happens after he's been playing a shit ton of Resident Evil 2 and then ODs on amphetamines. That's fucking hilarious, <laughs> man. It's clever. But yeah, can you imagine that? Just like, we've got something here. I just want to put it on paper and make it into a film. And that's what they did. To think that, like I said, this was shot on a $4 million budget. And the way that they got a lot of really cool actors, I mean, who, of course, later on done some great shit. This is kind of a neat little launching pad for a lot of people, too. It's a clever film. I think Tarantino said it was like one of his favorite, or I think he thought it was one of the best 20 films made from that time period since 1992. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of good films in between. And this, I, I don't know about top 20, but I could see the argument for it. I mean, the only reason I wouldn't put this is maybe because Scott Pilgrim exists. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim is dope. But I think for the time period, too, like 2004, this came out around a good time for a film of this kind of magnitude, you know? This is one of those films where right now I really wish that I had, like, the actual, like, film background to be able to talk about like some of his editing techniques and camera styles and stuff the best i can do is like go on youtube and just type in edgar wright and what's going to pop up is a shit ton of videos describing his style how he edits the way he transitions between scenes i highly recommend checking out the uh, man because what he does is different and he truly uses all of what you can do in film and I could bring up examples, but I don't really know that shit well enough to like talk about it. Yeah, you know I know what you mean. mean. It's like we're not probably as technically <clears throat> versed, but you see yeah. it like on screen. You can tell something's different, and I think that's why this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of quick why people shots. love this movie. Yeah, 
neat transitions. And he has his own signature style that you can always tell throughout all of his movies, but it's just how he's doing it different that is so interesting. I would definitely suggest like the Every Frame of Painting that talks about Edgar Wright. Nice. It's fucking dope. We're probably going to get a little bit stoned, and I'm going to make you watch it after we're done okay recording. Yeah, we're big old nerds. But yeah, I really enjoyed the hell out of this film. Like I said, I know we had something else lined up. This was definitely a good fallback because this is one I had watched just a few months back. And I was like, oh, this is a good timing because it's still kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I didn't mind the second or third time watching it. No. Like I said, I love Edgar Wright. His three flavors, Cornetto. I find this one to be the most yeah. rewatchable of the three flavors. So Yeah, but like I said, probably because it's not as heavy-handed, I suppose. Yeah, though I do really need to watch World's End again. Oh, it's yeah. such... It's, oh, this it's is a good excuse to get back such to Such good them. sci-fi, too. Um, but fuck, they're all good. Love his shit. And next week, we do know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to have to come up with a fallback because <laughs> it does involve somebody else, but... I'm like 90% sure this one's going to work okay, out. Okay, well, cool. And it's somebody that we're familiar with, too, which right. hopefully our audience is as well. We're going to have the return of Test Your Fright champion Quincy yeah. in the room. We're going to talk about the new Suspiria and give it its full-on, full episode, rather than yeah. us just I think being blown late. away from by it after seeing it at the Roxy. It's going to be nice to have her perspective on it as well, because it is more female-driven in terms of the, the narrative of the film. And not only that, but I work with her quite a bit. We talk about movies, and she talks about film better than was evident on the Test Your Fright episodes because she was still in shock from what we put her through. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that probably did something to everybody, <laughs> except for Dylan, maybe. Yeah, so I'm excited talking. to like have her in a room and talk about a horror movie <laughs> where we're not also like scared that the boss is going to come around the corner and tell us to cut the chatter. <laughs> that was funny. And where she is not like hating our guts for making her watch somebody get like impaled. And yeah, I know what you mean. That's the all least the, of it. All the nasty bits. All the nasty bits. So I'm super excited. That means Suspiria's next week. We might have the week after that plan, too. We'll see what happens. If we don't do Suspiria next week, we're still going to do something because we love you guys. Which is going to be neat, too, next week. Not, I mean, not that it was planned this way, but isn't Mother's Day next week? Oh, shit, it is. <laughs> so that's going to be oh, kind of neat. Oh, shit. <laughs> Suspiria is a Mother's Day episode? I mean, yes, it is, technically. Yeah, that's. I mean, it won't well, come out on. Yeah, it won't come out on Mother's Day, but it'll be recorded the day after. So that's kind of or day of is Mother's Day on a Monday or Sunday? It's usually on Sundays. Sundays, yeah. okay. Then it'll be recorded the day but after. Still, that's if interesting. It's Mother's Day, not planned that way, but it worked out that way. It's fate. I need to get my mom something. <laughs> if you guys want to listen to us next week, which we really hope you do. Please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Or you can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Up at the top, there's links to other ways to listen to us. The latest episode's always streaming down at the bottom. you got the archive in the middle, as well as links to all of our online portals, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter. And you can always contact us through our website or by hitting us up, squirmcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we love hearing from everybody, whether you're fans or just somebody who wants to maybe get your movie seen or if you want to talk about your film. Yeah, hit us up. We're always interested. If you want to just like sit in place and dance and be like, I did that because I listened to your podcast. I'll be like, I understand, even though I didn't see it. I might be glad I didn't. But maybe tell us about it. (laughs) Because I just danced while I was saying that. Yeah, which is always fun. I'm Sharon. 
my dancing energy. We're known for being party time boys. Okay, so now I think for this week, I've been Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. Out.